My name is Madison, and I'm part of the youth here at King's Cross. You're listening to the podcast from King's Cross Church in Charleston, South Carolina. We are working our way through the entire Bible during 2023 in a sermon called The Story. For more information about our church or to find resources related to the story, visit kingscross.org. prayer is that through this series, we will all individually uh, come to a better intimate relationship with Jesus. So this morning, we're in Genesis chapter 2, and what I thought was really interesting, I've never really thought about this before, um, is that the first two chapters of the Bible, so last week we're in Genesis 1, and then today we're in Genesis 2, have something in common with the last two chapters of the Bible. Revelation 21 and Revelation 22. And if you think about it, probably many of you are already coming to the conclusion that the thing that, is in co- that both of these sets of four chapters have, two at the beginning and two at the end, in common, is that it describes the world without sin and its effects. Every other chapter, just about between the first two chapters of the Bible and the last two chapters of the Bible, talk about the world in dealing with sin and its effects. And so today, as we look in Genesis 2, we're going to talk about where there is a clear description of a time and place where, this is the title of the sermon, we had it all. Over the next 25 minutes, I want to look at five reasons why we were created and in doing so discover, and this is so really cool for me, I had so much fun this week looking at this, what life was meant to be like. Life without sin and without its effects. So if you have your Bibles, it'd be great to open up to Genesis 2. We're going to look at most of the chapter. Uh, Genesis 1 describes the first six days of creation as we saw last week. Uh, It's interesting that the seventh day was reserved for Genesis chapter 2, so the first three verses is about God resting on the seventh day. And then verses 4 through 25, zoom back in. Uh, There's not two creation counts. It's just that Genesis chapter 2 zooms back in into the sixth day of creation. It gives us more details regarding when man and woman came into being in a particular garden that was planted. Verses 4 through 25 in Genesis chapter 2 are all about the sixth day of creation. So here we go. I want to read most of the chapter. I'll skip a few verses, but we'll hit most of them. So in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all its work, all his work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created and the day that the Lord made the earth and the heavens. And so here we go. We're zooming in to day six. When no bush of the field, and I looked this up, this is uh, referring to wild shrubs that often have thorns. Um, And these would come after man had sinned. And you see a reference to this in Genesis chapter 3, verse 18. So when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field, this represents cultivated grain. um, And it's also mentioned in Genesis 3, 18. 
had yet sprung up, for the Lord had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land, and it was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In verse 10, a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. And so the next four verses give the details of these rivers, uh, which is very important, but we're going to skip over to that because we don't have time to cover everything. Then in verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord had formed, this is on day three, this is going, referring back to day three, every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens, and then he brought them to man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, one of, he took, while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the Lord said, then the man said, sorry, then the man said, this is last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So if you ever wanted to know when was the first love song written and sung, this is it. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So now if you're thinking what I'm thinking, you may be thinking this that we actually could just focus on verses 21 through 25 and preach a sermon titled, instead of we had it all, he had it all. Three reasons why Eve was the perfect wife. So I had fun thinking about this. Three reasons why Eve was the perfect wife. Reason number three is that uh, she let her husband take long naps because she felt he did his best work when he was asleep. Uh, reason number two, Eve was the perfect wife. She had a great recipe for ribs. <laughs> and the number one reason why Eve was the perfect wife, she never spent any money on clothes. <laughs> so we could preach that sermon and be done, but we'll save that maybe for another day. And instead, we'll back up a few verses and look at this. So this is the title for the day. We had it all. Five reasons why you and I were created. And so number one, as far as the reasons why you and I were created, is that we were made for God. We were made for God. Verse 7 says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground 
and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And there's something we need to know and just recognize, and we touched on this last week, is that before anything was created, there was just God. That's all there was, which means that the cosmos was created by God and ultimately for God. I mean, there was no other reason to create the cosmos because there was no other person or being that existed. And so the cosmos, which entails everything in the universe and outside of it, was created for God. Romans 11.36 speaks to this. For from him, speaking of God, and through him and to him are all things. And then it's important to note that before anything was created, there was just the triune God. So it was the Trinity. It was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit who had ultimate community and unity within himself. So when God says in Genesis 1.26 that we looked at last week, let us make man in our image, which he actually, when he starts referring to himself as the Trinity, is when he is creating man. He was saying, let us make man with the ability to have a relationship because God is a relational God with himself, with the triune God. And Jesus speaks to this in John 17, 21, when he prays for his disciples and ultimately for us, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. God created us for himself so that we can have this intimate relationship with an intimate relational God. Jesus is praying his disciples would have a really deep connection with God. And I don't know how long it lasted. I don't know how long it was between chapter 2 and chapter 3, which is where we're going next week, and most of y'all know what's coming, the fall of man. Maybe it was 24 hours between these two chapters. Uh, maybe it was 24 days or maybe even 24 years. I don't know how long Adam and Eve spent in paradise, but for a period of time, Adam and Eve were connected to God without anything getting in the way. There was no sin. There was no shame, no embarrassment, no regret, no hiding, no covering up. There was no boredom. There was no distractions. All the things that we would say gets in between our relationship with God, there was none of that. So I'd like to do this. I'd like to do some imagining this morning. So one of the things I want us to imagine this morning is to think of the closest you've ever been to God. Maybe there's a time in your life where you were, man, that's when I was the closest and most intimate and in best relationship and most connected to God. Maybe it was when you first became a Christian. For those of you that have accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord, when you received Jesus and you were forgiven of all your past, present, and future sins, and you recognized that in the moment, and you felt it. But it's important to note with Adam and Eve that they had no knowledge of evil and sin, and therefore they had it even better than that. Or maybe it was when you received an answer to a prayer, and you were 99% certain it was not a coincidence. And you're like, man, I'm just really confident this was God answering my prayer. But it's important to realize that Adam and Eve didn't even know what a coincidence was. And they had it even better than that. 
Maybe it was during a worship service and you were able to almost block out everything but you and God. Maybe it was this morning. Maybe it was last week. Maybe it was sometime a few years ago. But Adam and Eve had no distractions, nothing to block out, and they even had it better than that. Or maybe it was when you had this aha moment when you're reading the Bible and you felt like God was talking to you. But Adam and Eve always knew very clearly when God was speaking to them, and they had it even better than that. So Adam and Eve, for a period of time, when it came to their relationship with God, the reason they were made had it all. They had a relationship with God with no hurdles, no barriers, no walls. Second reason that we were made was to enjoy without restraint. To enjoy with no restraint. So uh, in verses 8 through 9, uh, Moses writes, And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. So God placed Adam and Eve in a garden and gave them everything they could want and was pleasurable to their senses. Here, in this particular verse, it mentions sight and taste. But it's not a stretch, I believe, to include maybe all five senses that we enjoy. So sight, taste, touch, hear, and smell, because God made them all. I mean, could you imagine, so this is us imagining again, that everywhere they looked, it looked good. Everything they tasted, it tasted good. Everything they touched or everything that touched them, it felt good. Everything they heard, it sounded good. And everything they smelled and all that God had created, it smelled good. So just for us, think of the best mountaintop experiences that you've ever had. For instance, like the most beautiful sight that you have ever seen. Maybe it was a place like the Grand Canyon, or maybe it was a person, like for guys, your soon-to-be wife as you see her walking down the aisle. Maybe it was a performance, like a sports event, or a play, or a concert. Adam and Eve's, Eve's eyes were stronger and worked better, and everything they saw looked clearer, sharper, and more vivid in the Garden of Eden. Or think of the most delicious thing that you have ever tasted, such as grapes from the Napa Valley or a pineapple from the Amazon rainforest. I'm just trying to think about the best foods in the best locations. Or chocolate maybe from Belgium. Or steak from Hall's Chop House. Their taste buds, Adam and Eve's, were capable of tasting every ingredient with every sip and every bite in the Garden of Eden better than we have ever had. Or think of the most satisfying feeling that you've ever felt, such as sunshine hitting your skin when you're cold, or a dream cloud mattress when you're tired, or a kiss when you're in love. The nerves in Adam and Eve's skin's receptors, muscles, and ligaments could feel every sensation at all times better than you or I have ever felt. Or think of the best sound that you have ever heard, such as ocean waves, or bird singings, or, or singing, or maybe your favorite musician. 
Adam and Eve's ears could hear sounds that were sharper, clearer, and more vivid than we have ever experienced. Or think of the best fragrance that you have ever smelled, such as, I love playing golf, so fresh-cut grass, or your favorite flowers, or maybe the kitchen at dinner time. I was writing this when dinner was cooking, so I had to put that down. Adam and Eve's sense of smell was stronger and clearer, and their experience was capable of more pleasure than anything we have experienced. So this kind of 24-7 experience of pleasure is almost unimaginable. You have to really slow down and think about this because it's so hard to compare the, what our experience is now to a time in which he was experienced to a thousand degree more. But this is the way it was, and this is the way it's going to be when we one day will have it all again. One day we will see, taste, feel, hear, and smell just like that. The pleasures that we are capable of having here doesn't compare with what they had then and what is coming for each one of us. So the third, third reason that we were made is that we were made to work. It's like, oh my goodness, Josh, you're talking about how life is good, and now you're going to talk about a job? Well, that's before the fall, and in Genesis 2, Adam had a job. He actually had several. Verse 15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Genesis 1 was clear that God was a worker. And Genesis 2 is clear that work was not a result of sin and its effects. Man was made in the image of God, and if you're made in the image of God as a worker, then you're going to be a worker too. Adam's particular mission that he was given was to take care of the garden. And one of the jobs that God gave Adam was to give names to large portions of animals in the garden. So we're not sure how many animals there were, uh, but one resource puts the number at 634 animals. One of the resources that I read and uh, looking at this. So if Adam took, this is kind of fun to think about, how long did Adam take to name 634 animals? So if he took 15 seconds per animal, we, he would have been done in less than three hours. Another offer gives him four hours that I read for breaks to grab a drink and some snacks. So, you know, need your 15-minute breaks. Uh, so you may be asking, and that's moving pretty fast. So name an animal, coming up with a name, and figuring out based on this name and this particular characteristic of the animal. I'm assuming everybody's new to him. You know, which, which name best matches us with animals. That's moving pretty fast. So how was he able to go so fast and... I've got two possible explanations. Number one, I believe Adam was operating with a brain and body that was likely 1,000 times more efficient than ours. I mean, guys back then, when we look in the Bible, they were living like to 900 and something years. And so something was going on with their bodies that's not going on with mine. His mind was always sharp, and he could think clearly and rationally all the time. So I think that's one of the reasons why he was able to go so fast. The second reason I think Adam was able to work so fast was that his wife wasn't around to share her opinions and advice. <laughs> this might be where I just walk out, the side door. <laughs> All right, so I'm joking, maybe. So Adam did a good day's work, though, in those few hours. The sense of job satisfaction that he had to have to be able to name all the animals and accomplishment uh, must have been awesome for him, and it is an awesome feeling that we have as well. I believe God had it after Genesis 1. I think that Genesis 7, uh, I'm Genesis 2, 1 through 3, on the seventh day was such a satisfying 
time for God after he had done this work and was able to rest in the sense of accomplishment. I believe Adam had it in Genesis chapter 2. So if you and I could imagine just for a few minutes the most satisfying experience that you've ever had at work or for many of us who are students at school, that's our job, right? Uh, Such as closing a deal at work or getting a promotion, the most satisfying experience that you've ever had or finishing a project or I was talking to Coach Reedy before the sermon telling me I was thinking about him or winning a championship or students making uh, an A-plus on a final exam or even for all of us graduating from school. Whatever that feeling is like, I'm going to propose that it still falls short of what it was like to work in the Garden of Eden where God gave man a job and he executed it perfectly. There were no setbacks, no drop balls, no mistakes. I mean, everything, every accomplishment that I've ever made, I could have done it faster if it wasn't for this or if it wasn't for this that happened. Uh, there was no bad traffic that caused you to be late for work. There was no forgetting about a meeting. There was no late night caffeine-induced study session, students. Just 100% job execution, and therefore 100% job satisfaction. And it was like that all the time, I believe, in their experience in Genesis chapter 2 when they had it all. So number four reason that we were made is that we were made to live forever. We were made to live forever. Verses 16 through 17 says this, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. One of the clearest warnings in the Bible that we obviously would eventually fail. Um, And when we think about God and his character, generally we zone in on a command like this. Don't eat of this particular tree. We generally think of God as a God of no, like don't eat this food. And then there are all the thou shalt nots in the Ten Commandments that's coming later in Exodus. But God, we need to be clear in what is really said in this verse. What is really said is, yes, there was one tree not to eat of, but he also said you may eat of every tree in the garden. God's plan is that man would enjoy God, his creation, and one another. It's important that we recognize that God is not a God of no, that he's a God of yes. And even when he does say no, and this particular instance is one of those cases, every time he says no, is to protect us from harm so that we can have the best life. You may have heard that death is just a part of life, which was coming if they would disobey this command. But death is not a part of life. Death actually ends life. Every person's body was built to live, and every person starts off with a will to live. And as long as man stayed connected to the God who, as we see in verse 7, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, he would live forever, as long as he stayed connected. So at least for chapter 2, Adam and Eve lived in a world where there was no sense of pain, there was no sense of sorrow, and no sense of death. There was no headaches. There was no colds, 
There was no diseases. There was even no fear of bad news that you or someone else may get sick. For those of us who are older, imagine a perfect uh, period in your life when you were at the peak of health, a time when everything worked. Whenever, wherever you go in your mind to that time, for a lot of us is when as a teenager in our 20s, wherever you go in that time, Adam and Eve had it better than that. Or for all of us, imagine what your life would be like if you were never sick, never felt pain, never uncomfortable, never had any struggles. It's almost hard to imagine that because we only know what we know and we can't know what we don't know. But Adam and Eve had it better than that. There was only life and perfect health 24-7 at a time when they had it all. And then lastly, number five, is we were made for one another. Verse 20 reads this, The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. First, according to Genesis 2, Adam knew his maker. Then he received his mission. And at last, God would provide a mate. His maker, his mission, and his mate. I think one of the reasons God had Adam name the animals was so that he could see that over a period of three or four hours. Oh, the tiger has a tigress. The horse has a mare. The bull has a cow. The pig also has a wife, but I don't have one. <laughs> so I think he realizes, hey, I feel a little left out. So God made man a woman. In verse 22, it says that God brought her, God made a woman. Sorry, God made a woman. In verse 22 says that then he brought her to the man. There is so much here that we could talk about, but we don't have time to unpack everything. But I at least want to say this. God's plan has always been and still is one man and one woman as he defines man and woman in marriage for a lifetime. There are no other definitions because God has the right to define it. There are no other exceptions. There's no other angles. There's no other options. That's it. God created man and he was perfect. He created Eve and she was perfect. And then he brought Eve to Adam, and they had the perfect marriage. So could you imagine, for those that are married and those that are not, what would it be like to have the perfect marriage? Imagine, if you have been married, the best year of your marriage that you ever had. Imagine maybe the best week, or if you could, what was the best day? For Adam and Eve, they had the same mission, they had the same opinions, opinions, they were on the same page, they never argued, although in Genesis 3 they probably should have, uh, but here they had 100% intimacy physically and emotionally. So as good as your marriage may be, or one day may be, and some of you have great marriages, but still, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's still, your marriage is still a 1 compared to the 10 that Adam and Eve had in Genesis chapter 2. The most expressive of relationships is between a man and a woman in the context of marriage. And that is what it takes to be fruitful and multiply as the command that God's already given. 
But, and I want to be clear about this, it does not make you any less of a person if you're not married. I'm not any more of a person than I was in my teens and 20s before I got married at 31. Paul celebrates singleness in 1 Corinthians 7, and Jesus, who was the most perfect human who ever lived, was single. So it's just important to note that even though this is specifically talking about marriage, I think the underlying principle here is that we were made for one another. Everyone has been made for relationships. It's not good, as God says, for man to be alone. That's why worldwide it's recognized that solitary confinement is detrimental to a person's health. In fact, a recent article that I just read says that it's on the United Nations website, reads that solitary confinement of more than 15 consecutive days is regarded as a form of torture. And that is why you can walk out into our lobby and you can read on the wall, connect in community, and you'll see relationships, serving, and small groups. Because we're convinced that just like as we see in Genesis chapter 2, is that we were made for one another. So in conclusion, you may be thinking, man, Josh, that's great. That's great to hear how things used to be. It's great to think about uh, my life in comparison to how great it was in Genesis chapter 2. But I don't live in a garden, so I can't really relate to that. I live in a subdivision, and I drive in a car to work in an office, to maybe fly on a plane, to meet with clients. It's hard for me to recognize naming animals and tending to a garden as it was in Genesis chapter 2, or hard to relate to that. Well, like I said earlier, the first two chapters of Genesis and the last two chapters in Revelation describe the same situation, a world without sin, but in two different places. So the Apostle John got a glimpse of what is to come in Revelation 22, and in the first three verses, we see this. Then the angel showed me, John is writing, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. You heard that before? Genesis chapter 2. It's a river coming out of the garden. Bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life. You recognize that? It's in Genesis chapter 2. With its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, which is a result of Genesis chapter 3, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. Genesis, we see a garden. Just over the last 6,000 years or more, through agricultural or industry or technology, we have gone from gardens to now living in cities. And one day, it will be a city without sin and its effects. In Genesis 2, we see a garden, we see a river, and we see a tree of life. In Revelation, we see a city, a river, and a tree of life. We are now living between the garden and the city. And one day, what Adam and Eve experienced in a garden, you and I will experience in a city. That is for those who trust in Jesus. So 1 Peter 2, listen to this verse. 1 Peter 2, 24 says this. He himself, speaking of Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. 
By his wounds, you have been healed. The tree that gives healing. So when Jesus died on the cross, that tree became the tree of life for healing for all who would believe. And then John 4.14 says, Jesus speaks, a spring of water, there will be a spring of water, the river, welling up to eternal life. And on that day and in that place, you and I will experience the kind of life you now know in regards to your relationship with God and enjoyment of all your senses and work and health and relationships, but you'll know it in every way 1,000 times better. Let me pray. Father, uh, thank you for this glimpse of how life was supposed to be as you created it to be. And all of us right now, even as we look forward to next week in Genesis chapter 3 and think about how that we really screwed this up, we apologize, we ask for your forgiveness. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died on a tree so that we could have life and have healing. And for those in here that have not embraced the cross this morning, I pray that they would recognize that they're a sinner and recognize that you are a Savior fully ready and fully able and ready to forgive us of our sins and they would receive Christ as Savior and Lord and then experience over this life what it's like to connect with you in a relationship and enjoy you um, in this life and then get connected to one another and start experiencing eternal life now. And I pray for all of us who do know you that we would just walk away just very, very motivated to live for you and the God who always is a God of yes, because we know what's coming. And that's an eternity with you and everything that you created life and what it was meant to be. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. My name's Chip. I'm the lead pastor here at King's Cross Church. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope that you're growing in the gospel as we work our way through the story. Take a moment to subscribe and you'll get each week's episode automatically. May the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.